All right. I guess uh, it looks like everybody's coming on board here. All right. Well, I'll go ahead and jump in. <clears throat> I'm just so pleased to be here this morning with everybody and have all of our devotees together to honor and, and, and pay homage. And, and it's just really, I, I have to just say again, as I'm looking at the faces from all over the world here and some of, some of whom I haven't seen in years, it's just, it's, it's incredible, truly. Uh, what a wonderful family that our guru created through Center for Spiritual Awareness of like-minded people looking to know God and, and, and following his instructions to do so. Um, we'll have time to chat about our personal experiences, but one of my brother disciples and long, long time, um, devotee, or I don't know if that's a devotee, but disciple of Roy was Stephen Ridley. And Stephen wrote something and, and sent it through the email in a blast earlier this week. And it, I had my own little talk about the guru, but Stephen so totally captured it that I thought I would just read what he wrote to honor both Steve and also Guru. The Guru, our spiritual friend. The Guru is a conscious agent of the divine, an enlightened actor in God's Leela. A true spiritual teacher is the light that dispels darkness. An enlightened preceptor who assists in the process of lifting our temporary spiritual forgetfulness, that we may be restored to wholeness. The guru teaches by presence and example, and by offering energetic uplift and beneficial direction when inspired to do so. The guru may also share her or his enlightened perspective in written form for contemplative study. An authentic spiritual guru, sat guru, rare in our world, is the embodiment of our innermost self, a convenient contact in the outer and our voice of conscience made more evident. He, she is naturally selfless, empathetic, absolutely trustworthy. I'll say that again, absolutely trustworthy and appropriately responsive when assisting us as we contend with our uniquely individualized challenges. The guru is a cherished friend and certain blessing. He, she is a compassionate, knowledgeable guide who previously navigated the path of spiritual awakening and can therefore provide a clarifying perspective, which enables efficiency in our spiritual awakening process when we adhere to her or his wisdom directed recommendations. I'm going to read that again. This all happens when we pay attention and adhere to his wisdom and recommended intentions and recommendations. Such a one truly was Roy Jean Davis, who continues to enrich the lives of his disciples and sincere students immeasurably through his impressive body, a massive body of inspired literature, audio recordings, and filmed presentations. And thank you for that, Ron. With gratitude, we honor this accomplished God-knower and his liberating influence on the date of his conscious departure. I, Guru. So with that, I... I know that I I bow down before Roy in, in absolute and total surrender and, 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 and devotion from the day that I met him. 
and um, and I and I honor and respect all of you who are by my side on this wonderful journey. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to you, Ronald, my friend, who, by the way, we can all bow down in reverence to our friend Ronald, who really was the one responsible for recording and creating the curation of all of Guruji's activities over these many, many years. So God bless you, Ronald. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's all, so of course, it's always been my blessing. It's a good excuse to be close to the guru and uh, be involved. So you show up and volunteer and get some extra juice. <coughs> so uh, it's wonderful to see everybody here. Um, I'm looking at the at the numbers of participants and I'm seeing right now it says 82 and there are several of those 82 that are two. So there's actually probably a hundred of us sitting here, which is wonderful and all over the world. And I see Swami Nirvanananda, Jai Guru. (laughs) And uh, so it's really wonderful to have the opportunity to come together like this. And especially on an occasion where we're have the, where we're coming together in the, the memory of our beloved guru, teacher, mentor, friend. And so this is a, a special day and we'll, uh, we'll continue on. We'll start off with a meditation. We'll have a 25 minute meditation. And I thought it would be appropriate if we let uh, Mr. Davis lead. Meditation. So we'll have a, have uh, Roy lead our meditation, and then following that, uh, myself and Marty and Clifford and Ryan uh, will have a dialogue, and we're going to talk about our experiences with Roy and and uh, some more in-depth about who he was. And we've also um, put a post on the CSA Facebook page and invited people to have comments and experiences, stories, whatever, if they'd like to share uh, today on this uh, special occasion, uh, they can just go in. You can go in at, at any time and just add a comment. So that'll add to the add to the beauty of the day. So uh, without any further ado, let's let Mr. Davis lead us into meditation. So if you want to start off by just being uh, grounded and centered in your own space where you are in the moment right now. Just feel the presence and then we'll listen to Mr. Davis. Uh. Oh. that ultimate reality do so as being omnipresent not far off here present where we are we honor the great saints of all enlightenment traditions the divine nature of every person 
and the Guru lineage of Mahavatar Babaji Laramashai, Sri Yukteswar Paramahansa Yogananda and their successors. We acknowledge the truth of our being, knowing that at this level of being, we are anchored in the infinite, and that here all knowledge of that reality and its processes is within us. Put your attention in the front part of the brain or and or the higher brain. You can do both simultaneously if you like. This will help you to elevate your attention from thought processes and subconscious conditions. Help to internalize your attention. Your meditation flows naturally, just let it happen. If it doesn't and you want to use a technique or procedure to help you to relax and focus your attention, then use one that uh, will be effective for you, such as silent prayer or affirmation or the use of a mantra or a word or word phrase, or simply observe your breathing Doing one of these uh, procedures will help you to stay in the present moment, here and now. Observe as your breathing becomes slower, that your thoughts become less demanding, and uh, your emotions settle. Your awareness becomes clear.
When you're meditating at home or privately for longer than usual, when you notice that you're becoming too inattentive and you need to do something to stay focused, you can use a supplemental form of practice to refresh your, your meditation practice. And this uh, procedure that I'll talk you through now is one that Paramahansa Yogananda occasionally used at public gatherings. Look into the spiritual eye between your eyebrows and imagine there a blue ball of light. If you can't visualize very well, then just have the concept, the idea that a blue ball of light there can be any size, like a tennis ball or a golf ball, doesn't matter, any shade of blue. Using your imagination, identify with that light. Imagine that you are blue light, conscious blue light. And as conscious blue light expand, imagine that you are expanding until you fill your skull and then the body. And then you extend beyond the outlines of your head and outline of your body. And now more quickly, expand in all directions until you fill this room using your imagination. Imagine the bodies of your friends and all of the furniture and other items in the room floating within your consciousness. And now go beyond the walls of the building and beyond the roof, out into the area around the building and then further out and include the CSA property with the guest houses and trees and automobiles and creatures. And now very quickly expand and include in your awareness, in your imagination, southeastern United States, Georgia, North and South Carolina, Alabama, go south to Florida, east to the Atlantic Ocean, and now more quickly include all of North America, Canada, and all of the states of the United States and sweep down to Mexico and Central America and South America and go westward across the Pacific to Asia and eastward to Europe 
include in your imagination the planet Earth, India, Russia, and China, and, and all of the countries of the world floating within you, and all of the people, and all of the forms of life, and everything. You now expand using your imagination and uh, till you see planet Earth as though in a, in a distance, you know what the planet looks like. You've seen photographs of it taken from outer space. The blue planet, so-called, 70% covered with water, turning on its axis. Now expand more quickly and include in your field of awareness in your imagination, our solar system and the sun and the orbiting planets. Now you are more vast, but uh, you know that our solar system is on one of the limbs of the Milky Way spiral galaxy. So now expand and include the Milky Way galaxy in your awareness. 100,000 light years from one edge to the other. Light year is 186,000 miles a second. And the light year is the distance light travels in a solar year. And countless trillions of Earth miles It would take 100,000 years to get across from one edge to the other at the speed of light. But this galaxy floats within you with its billions of suns or stars. And our galaxy is only one of billions of galaxies in space-time, our space-time. So now using imagination, expand to include all of the billions of galaxies in our space-time. Imagine that you hear OM resounding in space everywhere. And now remembering that the material universe the realm of matter emanates from a primordial field. We call it primordial field, original ancient field of uh, nature, of space-time and uh, ohm and find cosmic forces. So turn your attention to that, that as you withdraw your attention somewhat, from the material manifestation of the universe, you contemplate OM with the characteristics of time, space, cosmic forces. Turn your attention to the source of OM. OM has an origin that is emanated from a source. I call it the radiant field, some call it the oversoul or cosmic soul. Turn your attention to that.
that is the expressive aspect of ultimate reality with uh, attributes, characteristics. Now turn your attention to the absolute or pure aspect of ultimate reality without characteristics or attributes, that which is changeless existence, being, beginningless, timeless, out of the field of time. beyond space, existence, being. Now at this stage you leave off imagining and gently endeavor to have a shift of viewpoint in order to have a direct without anything in between you and it experience of your essence as pure consciousness pure existence. Of course, in the early stages of contemplation, it may be that you imagine nearly as you can, but after a while, leave off imagining and be receptive to the possibility of simply experiencing that as being present. This is what you are. The experiencer, the seer, the one who sees or perceives, the one who knows.
while still internalized and contemplating omnipresence, acknowledge the universe, all life everywhere, focus on planet Earth, the more than seven billion people, and all forms and processes of life everywhere and radiate compassionate goodwill to everyone and to all life everywhere. Pray for or wish for the well-being of everyone. And now for yourself, if you're comfortable, be poised, knowing that as you live skillfully and appropriately, that you always have the full support of the processes of nature and of grace in your life. That is the impulses from within you that contribute to well-being, which enhance your life, which also enable you to have harmonious relationships and circumstances spontaneously uh, emerging at all times. Ordinarily, when you are meditating, you perhaps just come out of meditation when you feel inclined to conclude your session. But if there are occasions when you have special needs, a problem to solve, a want to be uh, satisfied or a need to be satisfied that is not being satisfied easily and you uh, have a little obstacle, a little problem, then after meditation, not during meditation, after meditation, just before concluding your practice session, just picture in your mind ideals see yourself problem-free, healthy, happy, functional, efficiently functional. prosperous if you need to manifest or express more evidence of prosperity and whatever form is necessary in your life see yourself being prosperous and mainly feel inwardly be inwardly peaceful self-contained or content
Let's chat home once gently. Om. Peace. Peace. <clears throat> So once again, welcome to uh, all of you. Uh, many of you have uh, joined us since we began. And so we've had this opportunity to honor our wonderful friend and mentor and guru um, with this, uh, on this uh, second anniversary of his Mahasamadhi, of his transition. And, uh, and so it's wonderful to see all, see all of us coming together like this and joining and it's wonderful for us to see all of you still participating, interested in doing this for yourself. Obviously, you're not doing this for Roy, and you're not doing this for us. You're for you. This is a great opportunity to come back into that uh, connected consciousness and be reminded of the presence of the guru. So, um, so we'll we'll continue on for another hour or so with. Uh, uh, Clifford and myself and Marty and Ryan, uh, where we have an opportunity to just tell a little a little bit about our personal experiences with Roy and uh, how we met him and uh, some some insight into his character that many people don't have. So uh, so that'll be the conversation, and then uh, and then when we conclude, um, there's a. Uh, a new posting on the CSA Facebook page. So you can go and, and have comments there and add, um, we're not opening this up to everybody to comment because we'd be here for days. So, so we're going to keep short and focused and then uh, you can add extra comments or stories or whatever on the CSA Facebook page. And we'll, we'll uh, look forward to see what you have to share with us there. So, uh, so I'm going to begin just with a, a little brief story about how I met Roy, um, what what the world was like then and what that did for me. Um, it was 1970. I was 23 years old and Roy was 39. 39. And 39-year-old Roy was a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> so, so uh, you know, I was... I'd just taken a new position in the in my company as the uh, the head of the director of the photographic department. So I was the photographer for a big company, and uh, and the the day that I formally took over this operation, a fellow, one of the the people in the company, came in and wanted a, a portrait taken. He said, "Can you do a portrait for me?" Um, he was a technical writer. And I said, well, sure, I'd like, you know, I'll take any excuse to learn more about the business. And it turned out that this fellow wanted a portrait, not for anything to do with the company. He was putting together a poster for meditation class. And uh, so that was kind of interesting. So we talked a little bit. This guy's name was Arlington Herschel Gaines III from Chicago. <laughs> So Arlie Gaines was the representative of Roy Davis in San Jose at the time and had a 
you know, very solid group. Roy had a really good uh, response when he came to the San Francisco Bay Area, including San Jose. And so uh, he would come twice a year. And Arlie had a study group every week. He would teach meditation and and uh, and uh, principles uh, in harmony with Roy's books. So we were, you know, we had a study and meditation group, and I was there every week. Uh, once I had uh, been in, um, uh, I've been you know initiated, not initiated yet, but shown Roy's stuff. I had one of his books. The first book I read was How You Can Use Your Creative Imagination. And I read that book and I couldn't believe it. It was like everything was so clear and made so much sense. It was just like somebody, you know, ripped the curtain away on reality and said, this is what's really happening. And all this other stuff, you know, is illusion. And I got it. And so between that and this is reality, I had read and uh, Roy and I had communicated a couple times by letter. And then he, when he came out for his next visit, uh, I had an opportunity to be initiated and to meet him. And that was in San Francisco upstairs at the metaphysical bookstore. And when he would come into town, he would go to San Francisco and Oakland, San Jose, and sometimes a couple of other places in there. So he'd be in town for maybe a week. So, uh, so Arlie and I drove up to the uh, to San Francisco to the metaphysical bookstore and upstairs, and he, they had a meeting room. and um, And when we got in there, it was you know there were already quite a few people. So we we sat sat through the lecture, which was um, which was amazing to me because this you know this fellow who was up there talking was one of the most um, authentic people I had ever met. Um, grounded, anchored, self-confident, um, you know, there was something about him that was, that really stood out. And I'd met a number of very powerful, strong people, business leaders and things, but just being close to Roy was like, you know, it's like he carried a, a, a field. <clears throat> they talked about, they talked about Steve Jobs uh, who, you know, was the founder of Apple and the innovator and the amazing g- genius guy. But they said Steve Jobs would create a reality distortion field. So when he started talking, people would, he would bring people into these ideas and, you know, and all of a sudden everybody would start thinking about stuff that had, didn't exist and could possibly. And so they said he, Steve Jobs had this field, this, this ability you know, to distort reality and, and, and engage people and bring them into it. Roy had the ability to uh, not distort reality, but to de- actually demonstrate it and not to demonstrate it in a intellectual way, but all you had to do is just get close and you could feel it. It was like, there is this grounding, this centeredness, this, this stability. And, uh, as Clifford said earlier, you know, the common definition of guru is uh, this, this dispeller of darkness, the teacher. But the actual Sanskrit definition of guru heavy, stable, grounded. And so the, the guru brings stability in our life, see. And this is what, this is what Roy did. So, so we had this... Uh, this wonderful opportunity to interact with uh, 
with Mr. Davis and he was uh, playful. He had a great sense of humor. You know, he was at a personality level. Um, he was a, a very interesting and cool person. But, and, the, and this is, a, it's, you know, something to, to look at. There is a difference between the personality and the guru. The guru is God. And the guru, this God, this self, this real teacher, comes through one who has purified themselves. So we don't start off to be a guru. If you do the work, you clear out all the cobwebs. You have no longer any ego, no longer an agenda, expectations, something that you're manipulating the world for. If you're completely cleaned out in consciousness, clear, create that open space where uh, consciousness, where spirit can easily come through unimpeded and interact directly with the disciple. So the guru, Roy, is not doing anything except being that space, holding that open space to be appropriate for each one of the disciples. So as we as we come to him, as we interact with him, we are getting a direct transmission from spirit through this individual. And for anyone who spent any time with Roy, you know, there is like two Roy's. There is the personality Roy and he's got, you know, as a, as a personality, we're all limited the greater boundaries in this expression. Um, so here's Roy, who's, you know, a nice guy, a lot of fun, has a great sense of humor, uh, can be a little critical of people and things sometimes. And on the other hand, here is this guru who is grounded, anchored, and just being in that space with him, you can't help but feel that, resonate with that. So, so I was very blessed to have the opportunity um, not only to meet him and be exposed to this, but also um, to have the continuing support because what the guru does is he constantly is inviting us, some say testing, constantly is inviting us to do the things that we've always wanted to do. He said, let go of your limitations, be prosperous, be compassionate, open your mind and your consciousness to the infinite, do these things that you aspire to do will stop aspiring and get on with it and do it. See, so in, and in various ways over the last 50 years, um, you know, he has continued to show up for me in the way that was most appropriate for me. So, uh, so I'm so blessed, honored. And, uh, and how about Marty? How did you, start off <laughs> okay how'd you get here you caught me <clears throat> um well i was uh i moved to atlanta from new york in 1981 and went to chiropractic university down in atlanta and one day was visiting uh a fellow student of mine's uh apartment and this fellow student happened to be uh, some of you know Dr. Jerry Brusak, uh, who made his transition two years ago. But he was my um, he was in my uh, class at uh, Life Chiropractic University, and on on his uh, mantelpiece over his fireplace, there was this this picture. And frankly, I couldn't tell if it was a man or a woman, 
but there was an effulgence. Uh, it was a picture of, of Paramahansa Yogananda um, where he has a garland of flowers around his, his neck. Some of you probably uh, recognize uh, the description. And I, I looked at the picture and Jerry looked at me and I said, that's, that's pure love right there. And, and Jerry said, oh, hmm, well, and Jerry had previously lived up here at CSA um, for, uh, I don't know, a year or two, um, you know, working here and doing his sadhana. So Jerry said, well, if you like that picture, I think I'd like to, in- to introduce you to somebody. And um, sure enough, he said that uh, in a couple of weekends, uh, Roy Eugene Davis, who is a direct disciple of this person here, will be teaching at a religious science church over on uh, North Druid Hills Road in Atlanta. And I, I, w- I had been searching. I had uh, run through a few teaching traditions. I felt like I was being drawn to something I didn't know what I was being drawn to. I thought I was drawn to chiropractic university. <laughs> so I went, um, I went to uh, the service. It was a 10 a.m. service on a Sunday. Um, and after the service or during the service, Roy got up to speak and I have to just echo everything Ron said, the, the clarity that um, I perceived there was uh, absolutely overwhelming. I don't think I heard a word he said, but I, I, I was, there's my teacher. Where have you been? <laughs> so, so I, I stood there kind of stunned and, and uh, made it through the talk. And then after the talk, my, my friend, Jerry B- uh, Brusak brought me up and introduced me to Roy. And Roy, um, never forget, tapped me on the shoulders three times. And remember, uh, chiropractic school, uh, the university down there in Atlanta, where I lived close, was just about a two-hour drive from CSA, from the property in Lakemont. So he tapped me on the shoulders three times, and he said, come see me. And um, I said, okay, you don't know what you're asking for, but okay. (laughs) So I, I started to drive up every weekend, uh, first for the meditations, just to attend the Sunday meditations at 10 a.m. And then, of course, I, I went to the programs. After about a year and a half of doing that, um, my circumstances were changing. Uh, I had my um, drive towards the spiritual teaching was overwhelming my drive to be a chiropractor, quite frankly. And Roy invited me to uh, move up here and live on the property and work. So I, I did, that was it, I was here. <laughs> and, um, you know, just remarkable experience. Uh, I, I was, I've been thinking for the, since we decided to do this program, how many experiences there were and, and there's so many, I, I, I have one that stands out though, that I wanna tell you very quickly um, because it was, it was very nice. You all have, if you've heard Roy, you've heard him talk about uh, St. Lynn, James Lynn, uh, particularly uh, about the time Roy uh, <clears throat> whispered to Yogananda, please give me Samadhi. And James Lynn happened to be sitting uh, next to Yogananda and Yogananda chuckled 
And uh, as I understand the, the story, that as Roy relates it, uh, he told James Lynn uh, he wants samadhi, and James Lynn said, "Bless his heart." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, later on, today, uh, I believe what happened was um, Roy uh, encountered James Lynn, Saint Lynn, and Saint Lynn put his hand on Roy's chest, and Roy. I've heard him tell this story numerous times. Roy said it was like being injected with pure bliss. And Roy was so, um, you know, excited about this. He he wanted to go somewhere where he could experience it. So he ran to find a, a private place. Of course, by the time he got there, it was gone because he had sort of huffed and puffed and wore himself out. So um, as a segue... I used to clean the hall here, this room, before the uh, Kriya Yoga initiations. And one day, uh, it was always on a Thursday, and one day in particular, I'd cleaned the room and rearranged the furniture and vacuumed the carpets. And I was sitting in the back behind this camera here, uh, putting my shoes on afterwards. And... Um, I looked out of the corner of my eye, and if you know the property here, Roy was walking up the stairs and walked past the outside of uh, the, the, the front of the hall. And as he did that, I, um, and let me preface this too, we're not supposed to talk about our experiences. Roy would often say, you know, keep them to yourselves, but I feel like I can talk about this one because it was very interesting. Um, so as he walked past, I suddenly saw everything became consciousness. The carpet was consciousness. My shoes were consciousness. The chair was consciousness. The door was consciousness. And, and I was, um, you know, pretty astounded. <laughs> and I realized that, you know, I had been in tune with my guru. And the, as Ron said, the guru was right there. And that's what the guru experiences. So he, he walked past and I, I sat there and I said, okay, well, I'm going to run down to the pond. And if you know the property, the pond is right there. So I ran down to the pond and guess what? <laughs> it was gone by the time I got to the pond. But I'll never forget it. And it, it, was, it was that same, as far as I can tell, that same profound infusion of, of Shakti, the sharing of the, the guru's consciousness. Um, a, a truly profound experience for me. Um, so anyway, good. That was how I met him. Yeah, and I, you know, I'm much more uh, of the opinion these days that, um, you know, these are not things that that he's doing intentionally, mm -hmm. giving you this vision mm -hmm. or, you know, making things happen, healing people. He said, you know, I wish I knew how to do that. Mm -hmm. You know, Yogananda could do it, and I wish I knew how, but I don't. But his consciousness, just being in that space, had that same healing effect, had that same awakening effect. If you were just a little teeny, teeny bit resonant, a little bit teeny, teeny bit in tune, you could not help but have that experience just being in his presence. Yeah. So, And he would often deny it if you asked him. <laughs> <laughs> so how about uh, Brother Ryan? <clears throat> uh, the first time I met Roy was, uh, I think it was in 2000 in Phoenix. 
but I'd been looking for them. You know, I, I was 17 and I had discovered uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's teachings. And I, I really, I knew that I wanted to find a teacher and I, I had this feeling like I had to find Yogananda, you know, and it, and I, it didn't make sense to me because it was a cognitive dissonance. Like I need to go find him, but he's not a, in this physical form. And so this was kind of a struggle I had for a couple of years. And I even uh, reached out to the SRF. I took all their lessons and I was, I applied to be a monk and I was going to join the SRF. Um, but my application never came. It, it got lost in the mail and uh, eventually it came. It took a couple of months, the, the reply from the SRF, but it was shredded. It was all in these little pieces and uh, there was like a, it was in a clear envelope and on the, on the postage, it says this only happens in every 14,000 pieces of mail, you know? And so I had my, I, I felt like it was a sign from the universe and I didn't really understand what was going on. So I, I thought maybe master didn't want me. <laughs> and um, so I, I just sort of struggled for a while Um and didn't really know what that calling was. And I just felt this deep calling to find a teacher. And eventually I, I just decided I was going to find the teacher, find the guru. And um, I went online. As a matter of fact, I went on Google search in 2000 and, or it was 99 back then. And, and uh, there was a bunch of disciples still around that had, that had been with Yogananda and so I was researching them, all the ones that were still alive in the different organizations. And then all of a sudden, I saw Mr. Davis's picture um, on the CSA website. And I knew just, just seeing his eyes, seeing his picture, I knew. And I felt, uh, I felt that moment, uh, the most uh, divine grace. Um, I think we all can share that feeling when you find your teacher that moment uh, it's it's the most divine experience uh, that i think that anyone can anyone can have and so i, I wrote him a long letter <laughs> dear mr davis and you know just this long long letter i think i even wrote it on it like a butterfly <laughs> i found like a card with a butterfly on it and i sent him this long letter and uh i never heard anything back he didn't he didn't write me at all <laughs> And I was, I was a little bit crushed, but about, about four months later, something did come in the mail and it was a little flyer saying that he was going to be in Phoenix uh, speaking at a hotel, which, and I lived in Flagstaff, so it was only a couple of hours away. And, and so I, I wasn't sure if I was going to go because he never wrote back. And, you know, I, I was, I was only 18. I was, I was pretty immature and wasn't sure what I should do. But that same day, it was real interesting. I went to the bookstore that same day that that, letter, that flyer came, I was uh, at Bookman's, this little store, and I found the Path of Light, just one of Roy's books, Path of Light. I opened it up and in there it said, Blessings Roy, he had signed it. And so I, I took that as a, as a sign. And it was interesting because that, that same day, I was reading that book and came across a word in the book, I didn't, I never heard before. It said Ayurveda, 
you know, Ayurveda was talking, he was talking about Ayurveda. And, and so that the day that I found that book was also the first day I ever heard the word Ayurveda. But um, so I did, I went down to see him and it was exactly what that you were talking about, Ron, just right away, just being in his presence. I felt centered. I felt, felt like there was a field around him and just, it just felt like this magnetic energy. Um, I knew that I'd found my teacher and I was, I was so happy and um, I was initiated. I came up to be initiated and, and, you know, he often just put his hand softly on people's heads and he would do different things, just what was appropriate for them at that moment. Grab your hands, put them on your heart, touch your forehead, all these different things. When I came up to him, he did that. He put his hands on my forehead and then he like hit me. <laughs> he just, he like took his fingers and popped me on the head. So um, the first time I met Roy, he hit me. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, I, I thought it was awesome. And, and it was, it was interesting, you know, not to, you know, like you were, you were talking about Marty talking, it's not always great to talk about experiences, but I think I can share this one for the, uh, uh, for the occasion was that when he later, when I went back to my hotel room, I was reflecting on, you know, him initiating me and, and touched me on the forehead and, when I was reflecting on it, what I realized was that for a split second, I saw myself through his eyes. Like when he touched me, I could see myself, you know, and there, there was all these, these kind of things would happen a lot um, around Mr. Davis. And some of them were pretty mir miraculous, but that was, that was kind of the first taste. And I asked him, I said, can I, can I come out to CSA? And uh, he, he said, sure. And, I, and I, I don't know why I was like nervous when I said, well, you, I'm not too young. <laughs> I don't know. You know, it was like that nervous thing you just say. And I just, oh, I'm not too young. And he goes, well, as long as you don't wet the bed. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the last times I saw him, I, uh, we were, he asked me, when was the first time we met? And I told him that story about, you know, as long as you don't wet the bed and you know, Roy, he goes, I didn't say that. And he, he turned red, you know, he blushed and, <laughs> and it was just, um, it was real sweet to see that. But I had decided I was going to move out there right then. I was going to dedicate my life. And that was one of the most powerful um, statements or lessons that Roy taught or teaches still is that you have to be all in. You know, and you, you, you have to be all in on the spiritual path, not kind of, not halfway. You have to be all in. And, and that's what I wanted. And so I was going to move out there. And I did eventually for a little while. But I, I, called, I called CSA and, and um, Kathleen answered the phone and I was asking her about, well, what's around there? You know, where can I live? Are there jobs out there? And she goes, does, does Roy know that you're going to move here? And I said, no. And just real quick, all of a sudden, Roy's on the phone with me. She goes, just one second. And then, hello. <laughs> and, and I was I was excited, but also, again, pretty nervous. And um, he said, don't move out here yet. <laughs> don't move out here yet. We're starting these private retreats. And so uh, why don't you just come out for three weeks and then see how you feel. 
And so I did that and um, it was, it was, a, it was an incredible experience, but I was, I was really immature. I was wearing white all the time. I was a vegan. I thought to be spiritual, you had to wear white and be a vegan. And, you know, my ego was, uh, was all confused. And when I got out there, I was super needy. And I just wanted to be recognized by the teacher. And, you know, I was so, so excited. It was like the story about Yogananda meeting Sri Yukteswar. I thought it was going to be like that, you know, being in retreat with them. And it, it wasn't at first at all, at all. I, after about a week, I thought this guy doesn't like me. <laughs> <laughs> One of the first things he said in the, in the morning meeting after meditation, he goes, I see these young guys walking around. They think they know everything. They know nothing. <laughs> and um, there wasn't a lot of young guys walking around. You know? um, but once I let go of that neediness, that's when the relationship really began. And um, yeah, it was, it was really interesting that uh, I'll share this last one. Um, when I was out there the very first time, the very first week, on the Monday, he said, I'm going to make lasagna. I'm going to make lasagna for everyone on Wednesday. So please come down and, and have, have lunch at the, in the, in the hall. And, and again, I was a vegan. I thought I was uh, to be a yogi. I had to be a vegan to be a yogi. I had to wear white, you know, all these weird ideas. And so I, I thought maybe it was a test is it a test that should I eat the gluten or the, not the gluten, but the eggs and the cheese. And I was having this like really strange inner turmoil about it. And then I decided, well, if the teacher, the master is going to cook the lasagna, I'm going to have it. And I didn't, I didn't know anyone. So I didn't tell anyone any of this stuff. It was just all this weird stuff in my head. And so I went down there uh, to, to eat lunch and I walked into the hall and Roy was taking his shoes off at the door and he looked over at me. He put his hand on my shoulder and he said, next time I'm going to make you roast beef. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he just, he, he could just, yeah, he would, you would, you'd be around someone that knows um, all, everything about you is pretty interesting. <laughs> no, no, yeah, that, that was, that was kind of a quick story of, of how I met him. How about you, Clifford? Thank you, Ryan. You know, it's funny how <clears throat> it seems that the uh, consistent uh, consciousness that seems to apply to everybody that first met Roy was intimidation, you know, because uh, once you heard Roy speak and you even, and you were open and clear, you, you immediately started to understand that he was a special human and he had something that, uh, that was rare. And, and that's what I felt. You know, I met Roy, um, at the, um, I don't know it was convocate. It was the grand, it was the grand opening of the unity church in Dallas. It was like 1985. And, um, my beautiful wife, Dorian's parents were the head ministers and they had actually designed and built and opened that church. And they were good friends with Roy. And I spoke at that uh, at the grand opening. And just like everybody else, you know, I, I had my story was I'd read Autobiography of a Yogi. Previous to that time, I was on, on the hunt 
looking for, you know, the great answers and, uh, and reading a lot of garbage. And, uh, and so um, I was engaged to Dorian and I think her, her uh, parents really were, were happy that I finally was going to meet somebody that actually was, maybe they knew, maybe they didn't, but I was in need of somebody real. And having read Autobiography of a Yogi, I was uh, just would, would have done anything to meet somebody that had been trained by Yoganandaji. And there he was, you know. And so Roy spoke, and like everyone else that has spoken, he knocked me out. And it was just the truth and cosmic and deep and i was just another you know he was my my guru there he was you know and fortunately i had i had a wonderful connection to him through um donald curtis dorothy curtis uh dorian's uh mother and stepfather and so i met him that way through them and he you know immediately you got to come up to csa and so forth and and of course i was in awe of him and intimidated so i didn't say a whole lot um, and, and that was the beginning, you know, I, I, and, and really just as um, it just wasn't a conscious thought, you know, and when Roy is everybody on this uh, Zoom probably at one time heard Roy tell his story about how he uh, had walked the grounds at the desert retreat. One of the last times it may have been the last time he saw Yogananda and um Yogananda gave him that that famous quote, don't look to the left, don't look to the right, but look straight ahead to the goal because you can do it. You, you can become self-realized in this lifetime. You can, you can know God. And that was Roy's message to everybody. And that was his message when he spoke. And, um, and that promise, that, that, that's, a, that, that, that's miraculous and, and rare. And so with that, you know, I started my relationship with him by, by going up and spending time with him at CSA, more and more time, and, uh, and, and was devoted to him from the minute I met him, you know, and, and I never looked to the left or the right. That was it. You know, it was, I found gold and I was finished with the hunt. So I've been a, uh, you know, dyed in the wool Roy devotee, you know, all, all my adult life, really, and uh you know, and it, it, and he was a miracle man, truly. And as Ron said, you know, he, he had his human personality and his human personality was awesome. Really, <laughs> truly. And he had no patience for nonsense. And so Roy, Roy really was more along the lines of a Sri Yukteswar type tough train, you know, guy, then the loving, give me hug, yoga. I don't know if Yogananda said hug me, but pure love, Yogananda style. But, um, but, but, he, but if you paid attention to Roy and you followed the directions, um, you, you, you progressed. And it was difficult to spend time in Roy's presence and not obey. <laughs> I don't know if the word is obey, but, you know, live by the Kriya guidelines, and of, of clarity because he really did know he, you know, he, he didn't advertise or, uh, you know, I'm not enough for the word would be, you know, show off his abilities, but Roy knew what you were up to. You could be with him and he'd know if you'd been not really been clear, you know, you're either clear or you're not, it's an energy field. 
and, and he knew it. So I'll give you um, a quick Roy story for me. You know, I had, I had traveled, Roy had um, arranged a trip to India in 2000, uh, let's see, it was about 2008. And so um, I went with him on a book signing about a, about a, for me, it was about a three week pilgrimage and Roy was there for two. And I, I stayed a week longer and wanted to go to all the places that Yogananda had talked about in Autobiography of Yogi. And I did that and I did some of it with Roy, but during that, um, during that beautiful time with him, we traveled and he worked his, he worked so hard. You know, one thing about Guruji was he worked every day. It was a job and he got up and he wrote and he, he, you know, he was so devoted and being of himself. And in India, he would give a talk in the morning and a talk in the evening. We drive for four hours in between. And he just he was relentless in his scheduling. And, and he was in his seven, you know, sort of upper seventies at the time. So um, he was uh, very, very miraculous in that way. And on that trip, we, uh, we went and we visited uh, Sri Yukteswar's shrine at the Puri Ashram, which is one of the places I really wanted to go. And St. Lynn had funded the construction of this shrine at the Hermitage that Sri Yukteswar ran um, in Puri uh, on, the, on the Bay of Bengal. And so we went there and we were in the uh, company of the Kriya Yoga International uh, monks so the head, that was Hari Harinanda's organization and now Pragi Ananda, his organization. And so we went to um, Puri with them for a day trip. And um, while we were in there, I'm with these, you know, these are serious monks. I mean, you'll, I actually have a picture that I'll have Pascal put up in a minute. And so, you know, this is a moment. We go into the, um, this resonating energy field of this place where Sri Yukteswar's ashes are. And it was just intensely um, emotional for everybody, even the yogis that were there. And so we're sitting there and Roy was, you know, praying and, and so forth. And I had a secret desire to be um, initiated in my heart. And Roy turns to me, I don't say a word. And, and he, and he, didn't touch the other monks, but he kind of moved everybody in a, around me in front of the altar and he puts his hands on my head. And I had been ordained by Roy, uh, you know, a couple decades before, a decade before anyway, a long time before. And, but with the other yogis, he puts his hands on my head and he, and he ordains me. He says, you know, I, I, um, ordaining you as, you know, Kriya Yoga, I don't have the exact words and, you know, teach as I have taught and, 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 and know God and teach, lead others to God, whatever. I don't have, I'm not going to give it, it was so emotional. And, um, and had his hands on me. And it was one of those. And, you know, Roy has trained us. When you talk about the deepest experiences that you've had, these moments of um, the miraculous moments, we have them from time to time. And quite often they come when you're not, they're not unsolicited, you know, my greatest things that have happened that have had me truly come to understand the truth about life and the nature of our pure essence of being, those instances, those revelations occur spontaneously. They just, they happen very rarely. Have I been sitting and meditating and all of a sudden I, you know, that, that occurs. 
But when I was with Roy at that time, and he says, don't talk about those things. Those are very, very personal. and They're very rich. And you're never going to be able to explain them appropriately anyway, because they're so internalized. And when you do, you dilute the experience. But at the risk of diluting my experience, I'm sharing. <laughs> so it, it, all I can say is I lost consciousness. We all, it was like we all did. I don't know how. We all were just there after that moment. We were just like frozen in time. It was the craziest thing. I have no idea how much time went by. And when we finished, it was, um, we just stood in front of this place for, again, the longest time. Somebody took a picture and then we exited. And um, I'd like to say that after that, I was enlightened and I knew more. I knew nothing more. <laughs> it was just an experience. It was something to be treasured and personal and held on to and now shared. But, um, but the lesson really is, is that that wasn't the end. It was only the, again, the beginning. And, um, and it was a, a, a miraculous time. So anyway, Pascal, you can show the picture quickly because this is not show and tell, but I thought it would bring it home. And, um, and then we'll move on and Ron will um, share a little more. So there is Guruji in front of the uh, shrine. And there we are afterwards um, standing before we exit. And, uh, and there's the FedEx tracking slip. But anyway, um, there's a nice picture of us, of the guys. So anyway, um, that's my story. Back to you, Ronald. And the other thing I'll mention is Roy would travel with this little suitcase. And we were on a three-week trip. I, of course, had a backpack stuffed full of stuff and a suitcase that was twice the size of his. But everywhere we went, Roy had on a perfectly starched white shirt and his suit. I mean, it was on, I don't know how he did it. I think he had some miraculous powers in his room and he like cleaned his suit every night because we didn't like go to laundromats. So who knows? Ronald, take it away. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm not hearing you, Ron. Are you muted? Or is it me? They may need to turn their microphone back up. Okay. Ron, can you hear Ron, us? Ron, you need to turn your microphone up. Yeah, they're not they're not muted, so I'm gonna shut I'm gonna shut this off and then Okay. We can hear you now. Yeah, you just have to be a little closer. Yeah. You're back. Okay. We're back. <laughs> yeah, as I'm listening, I'm remembering of course uh, for myself and um and I know so many people find their way to the guru, to the teaching, because they're searching. They're looking for something. 
This is very typical. Hey, Ron, you're coming over very low, very low volume. Is this better? Okay. Yes. <laughs> so we'll do it this way. So um, I, my experience was kind of radically different because I wasn't looking for anything. I mean, I was, I lived in San Jose, just a little south of San Francisco. We had just experienced a transition in social consciousness. We're in the middle of it. We have the Vietnam War going on. We have uh, civil rights um, problems going on in universities all over the country. And uh, we just had the summer of love in San Francisco. The hippies are having a great time. It looks like the young people are going to take over the world and change everything for the better. So we can all wear bell bottoms and flowery shirts every day and not have to wear ties. And wow. So so I'm kind of living in the middle of this transitional time in consciousness and really enjoying it as deeply and intensely as I can. So Roy sent Arlie to my doorstep to say, hey, <laughs> check this out. And then uh, Arlie had uh, been transferred out in 1974, I think it was, to uh, out of the country. And so I took over as the... Uh, as Roy's representative in San Jose and I had the weekly study group and was teaching meditation classes and in the uh, end of 1977 I picked Roy up at the at the uh, airport for one of his trips and I said you know I'm gonna change jobs I've I've been doing this photography thing for uh, eight and a half years and I want to do something else. I'm, I'm doing very well. I'm at the top of the game. Everybody loves me. And this is a great time to go find something else to do at the top of the, <laughs> you know. so Roy said, well, why don't you come out and work with me? So I'm in California. I've got the, you know, two motorcycles, my own house, uh, nice little Mercedes, uh, very good job. I'm getting paid well for, and I'm having a great time. And and Roy says, well, why don't you come out and work with me? And that means leave your life, <laughs> move to North Georgia. And, you know, in those days, the concept of Georgia was like flat and humid and a lot of bugs and and uh, people who didn't understand how to talk very well. And, um, and it's like, oh, OK, that's an opportunity. <laughs> but I also had... Uh, you know, I was doing more and more with Roy and more and more with the uh, classes and more meditation for uh, classes for other groups and churches. And and I knew this was part of my destiny. I knew that this was or I felt like this was important. This was part of what I was here to do. And how do you find out if that's what you're here to do unless you go do it? You can't do this in your head. You have to do it. So uh so it turned out circumstances arranged themselves that I had tremendous support in making this change. So the people around me, my wife, you know, was like, okay, if that's what you want to do, let's do it. So, so I gave my boss six months notice and uh, uh, the following summer rented a U-Haul truck, sold everything I had. Uh, except for some records and, you know, that's the important stuff. Um, 
some clothes and some books and rented a little U-Haul truck. I even sold my car, everything, and uh, headed across country to land in North Georgia. And I had to go buy a car. because. <laughs> so, uh, so I lived here on the property and worked uh, together with Roy for about five years. So, and, so, you know, what an invitation. This is also a test. So the guru says, this is what you want to do. Okay, do it. So the tests that we get are not always, oh, you know, push this rock up the hill forever and prove that you're really worthy. It's more like do what you say you want to do. You can. So <laughs> that's the test, you know, show up and accomplish. So, so I found that uh, my experience with Roy was always where he was present to offer me what I needed at the time, what was appropriate for me at the time. And I've watched over the years, he did the same thing for everybody. He had no agenda. He had no expectation. He, I mean, he would really love to have everybody show up and continue their practice and, and, and take advantage of this. But he knew from long experience that people show up, they get a little, they get fed, they get a little bit of feeling better, uh, just enough to where they can go back to their old routine. And then they don't understand why they're not making progress. So, so, um, so I've watched him uh, be totally appropriate and, and he has no agenda. He has no expectation. He's not interested in manipulating us for our own good. He's interested in just presenting the space, being a clear channel or a, 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 cure, a, a clear conduit for reality to interact with us directly. So I, so I watch, you know, and he, and he would, the personality Roy would go, you know, gosh, the ministers are not ever telling me what they're doing and what's happening out here. And, uh, you know, people keep getting involved in all these emotional things. And, you know, we have emotions, but we also have the ability to function. And we don't have to let the emotions take us out of functional mode. And he would constantly be commenting on how people that he thought should be should know better were allowing this emotional thing to run their life. And so, so he was always, always uh, showing up for everyone in the perfect best way for them. And he continues to, you know, we go, we read his books, listen to his talks, watch his videos. And if you just, if you're really paying attention to what he's saying, he's constantly saying, do what you need to do. You know, look at your <coughs> Um, look at your heart and your karma and your consciousness and then aspire to be the best you can imagine to be. That was his message. So, so I think we're all blessed to have the opportunity to touch in with this special being and to uh, and, and of course, each of us will have our own personal experience and our personal, you know, process along the way. But, but this consciousness of Mr. Davis continues to be available and to meet us where we are. So that's my, 
that's my two cents worth. And I think uh, for anyone who listens, who can hear the message that Mr. Davis, not me, but Mr. Davis is putting out, says, you know, this is the most important thing you could possibly do. There is nothing else in this external reality that has any persistence, that has any long-term value. So you may be able to magic up some more money using creative imagination. And he told people how to do this very practically because that would eliminate one of the big conflicts, one of the big problems a lot of people have is, is taking care of financial responsibility. So he put that out there and explained how the whole system worked, um, knowing full well that eventually we come to the place where we recognize that everything is working itself. We don't have to manipulate the world. We don't have to manipulate the universe. We don't have to change. Everything's perfect, you know? And, and, and being able to come into that realization for ourself so we can live every day in perfection, in harmony, not needing to change us or anything else. You know, this is, um, this is the, the, the place that we come to where we are aware that we are expressions of God. We didn't bring ourselves here. I remember uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes from Rumi is, um, I didn't bring myself to this dance, and whoever brought me here is going to have to take me home. <laughs> so, so we allow the, you know, we rely upon the universe. We rely upon spirit. We rely on that reality that is everything to keep doing what it's doing. You know, and all we have to do is get our uh, limitations, our agendas, our expectations, our ego, our, our personality. You have to just get this stuff out of the way. Roy was blessed because he was 18 years old and Yogananda stuck him in a closet and said, you know, do your work. And Roy said, what a blessing. I didn't have to listen to everybody else's opinions. I didn't have to be in the conversation. I could sit quietly, contemplate, read, study, and allow this to come. And so after several years at a very young age of cleaning out the closet, getting rid of the 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 excess stuff he could come on come online as a teacher that was a sat guru that is a truth guru not a guru saying this is a good business and maybe i can make some money but rather as a guru who said you know i'm just an open channel and allowing spirit to come through me in whatever way that it feels and so uh, and one of the things that i've always been so impressed with is that Roy's in integrity in staying with this understanding that ministry is a service that I can participate in. And by participating, I get the, I get the big blessing. I get the bonus, right? It's the participation. Friend, another friend of mine once said that the cat gets most of the purr. So, uh, so in the participation in doing what he is doing, he is fulfilled. You see, he's, he's uh, allowing that to happen. And he um, uh, did an amazing, you know, wonderful job of this early on so that from that point forward, he could, he could share his consciousness without having to make a business out of it. 
See, he was everything. He would just give, give because he knew it wasn't his. So he could very easily give and share and be open and maintain the integrity of that position um, for all these years. I mean, from the time I met him, he had already been doing that. But then uh, 50 years later, he had the same integrity. He had the same message. He had the same consciousness, you know, the same grounding. Um, and to have that kind of consistency and stability for that much time, for a whole, for a, my lifetime, uh, is really remarkable. And we don't see many people, in, many people anywhere in the world. And I'm talking from, you know, top business leaders to stop top spiritual leaders. Uh, we see very few that have that level of grounded integrity and concern about their ministry, which is, you know, to to educate, to to enlighten, you know, to wake up the planet, our awakening world. He's participating in that. That's his mission. And that's, you know, the mission that we can continue and carry forward, uh, both for our benefit and to honor his memory. So, gosh, it sounds like preaching. We should take a collection. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> what do you think? So, uh yeah. And by the way, uh, for passing the basket, we're, you know, as Roy would, he never talked about it, except on Monday mornings on the retreats, he would say, uh, you know, there's a basket over here. And sometime before you leave, uh, you can put your donation to take cover your meals and your accommodations, your room and classes and all that, you know, put that in the envelope and no idea about how much this is a donation let it go. So uh, we continue to have our basket, but it's now a virtual basket. Um, so if you just click on the website, the CSA website, um, there's a donate button and you can help to keep the CSA ministry vital and functioning. And even though we're not meeting together in person, uh, there are expenses to maintain the property and keep everything together and uh, pr produce the Truth Journal magazines and do the advertising. And so, so there's still uh, enough expenses to where we can always use uh, extra help if you have some extra to help with. So there's our commercial, unless Clifford would like to add something. And... Uh, <laughs> And I'm going to say, I'm going to say, you know, thank you to everyone and then let uh, my brothers here also have their, their uh, last bit. Go ahead, Marty. Um, I can only say thank you. Thank you for being here. Um, it's lovely to see uh, how many people are still tuning in. Uh, so thank you. And I can only echo everything Ron said, the, Roy was was very clear. He said these principles, these teachings work. You just have to put them into practice. And um, I know many of you out there um, who have been following these teachings can certainly echo that as well. So thank you for being here, everybody. Thank you, Marty. Uh, Ryan? Uh, <clears throat> uh, Roy, you know, he, would, he wouldn't like us to make a big fuss about him, would he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but he... Uh, thinking about everything before we talked, I, that was the, it's, it just kept coming up in my mind how he was all in 
everything he did in his life, all of his writings, all of his teachings, he was all in and he encouraged all of us to be the same. So his essence is still within his books. His essence is still out there. We can tune into it and uh, we can stay inspired to, to go all the way, take that leap and, and be all in with our practices and with awakening. And we can really honor him by doing that. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I'm just so infinitely grateful to all of you and, and to the folks at CSA and Kath. Thank you, Kath. Everybody should just bow down before Kathleen for the, and Willie for keeping the wheels on the bus, really behind, behind the scenes. They're the gears and the watch to keep the time running. So thank you and, and bless you all. Um, it's difficult to uh, to express the, the the full foundation of Roy's teaching, but the truth of it is, it's all about giving, and that's one of the unique things that that Roy's legacy is: is that all of us that are here um, are here with as little ego as possible, humility, and humbly grateful for being here, and we're here to give. That's it. We don't want anything, and that is really interesting because I know absolutely and looking at at least the four men that have, the three men that shared with me today, that everybody, all of us that are, are leading and, and, and carrying on Roy's legacy, it's done in a manner, um, all the ministers, that is as egoless as possible and in, in a manner of just simply giving service as possible. And that's what Roy was, absolutely. You know, when I say absolutely trustworthy, he was absolutely clear. He was here for one reason only, to to, to wake us up so that we would know the truth about life and our pure essence of being. And then once you know that you live in peace, you're on the way. So that's our, our purpose. I'm, I'm grateful to be here and to be given the, uh, the joy and responsibility with Ron and, and even those that aren't officially titled Marty and Ryan and uh, all the leaders here that we're also blessed to have this legacy to carry forward. And, uh, and I'm grateful for it. And there'd be nothing without all hundred of you <laughs> because that's the family and that's the work. And we're just so blessed to be together. So um, I'll hand it back to you, Ron, to close, please. And, and um, thank you all for being here together. Right. <clears throat> Great. Thank you. Uh, can you hear me now? I, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all. And as, uh, as Clifford said, thank you all for participating and for your continuing uh, support. And that's not only the financial support, but the support in consciousness. You know, that's the most important. So, so we see the CSA ministry continuing to be vital and functional and growing. And, uh, and I think we'll see in the next year or so that there'll be, we'll have, we have several new ministers and we also have new programs that will be rolling out both online and as we're able to come back together again. So the next year is going to be a lot of fun because we're kind of reinventing what uh, normal is, you know, the old normal is gone. That's history. So, so now we have the opportunity to say, well, this is how we want the new normal to be. And we can participate consciously in that, but with intention, otherwise we're going to end up in somebody else's new reality. So, 
Um, so we see CSA ministry remaining vital and functional and continuing to serve the purpose that Mr. Davis started out with, which is to wake up the world, or at least that part of it that's responsible, responsive. So we thank you. We love you. We bless you. Thank you for your continuing ongoing support. And remember that you're already whole. You're already perfect. There isn't anything that you need to do except remember that and then live from that consciousness. So, namaste. Om Shanti Om. Blessings. God bless you all. there yeah but they're done i missed it we had storms so we missed you but at least we get to see your face <laughs> hey ron i think you have to end the meeting We can't, we can't hear you again, Ron, if you're saying something. said uh, we're, the meeting is going to continue for a very long time. We're going <laughs> to shut the screens off because, uh, you know, there's too much of that these days. So uh, we will see you tomorrow for meditation. With, with Ron.